This is episode 51 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My name is Brent Dax. So glad to have you here. That's right. The Syracuse Sports Podcast is back. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find it on social media and right on Syracuse.com. My guest today is Syracuse University Athletic Director John Wildhack. A lot to talk about with the Syracuse AD. The Carrier Dome. Can we still call it the Carrier Dome? Do they still want to call it the Carrier Dome? What's happening in the Carrier Dome? Not only the football team that will start play there soon, but new things to come in the upcoming season. New uniforms, trips to Italy for the basketball team, the ACC Network, and so much more. What do you say we get right to it? Syracuse AD John Wildhat is my guest this week on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. John, welcome back. Thanks, Brent. How was your summer? My summer was great. <laughs> Not only welcome back here on the podcast, but really to everything, right? Right. We're back, the fall's here, and things just, just ramp up. So with football back and, and everything back, just tell me what it's like for you, because not that your work ever stops, but once the semester starts, do we go from zero to 60 here? What's it like for you? We get, we get a little buildup, because once you hit August 1st, football came, football team reports back, you start getting some of your other fall sports reporting. So, you know, it gets busy around Manly, but once the students move in, you know, like, you know, when they did the end of August, I mean, then just the pulse around campus just picks up dramatically. So, you know, it's, hey, it's here and let's go. John, uh, I have lived here my entire life. I've covered this football team as a member of the media for over 20 years now. It's not even close to the amount of hype, buildup, excitement, many different words we could uh, reach into the, the dictionary to define this. How have you kind of harnessed that and put that out there to the fans and, and the message to the fans about where Syracuse football is now? Of course, you've got to sustain it. That's the trick. But exactly. you want to you know, you strike when the iron's hot, so to say. So how have you approached to do that? Our fans have been great. The response, um, in, you could cite it just by season ticket sales. When you have over 9,000 new season tickets, which is an all-time record for us, the fans have responded. And they want to support the team. They've been great. They've been very responsive. Our sales team's done a fantastic job. Um, you know, Coach Bayerbers has done a fantastic job. We had an event down at City Hall you know, a couple weeks ago on Friday. The mayor, the county executive, Mayor Walsh, county executive McMahon, you know, that was fun. So it just, it's, you know, it kind of brings the entire community together. And it's really neat to see that and to just see the energy that that it produces. So let's do the math on this. You got nine over nine thousand season tickets right. and counting at this point. That's as you mentioned a record. You got a ninety five percent renewal rate on season tickets. When you kick off against Clemson for the home game, of course the season starts this week, but when we kick off that home game, are we looking at the biggest season ticket base you've ever had for football? I don't know if it's the biggest. I'd have to go back and check that, but if not the biggest, it would be within the top five for sure, and probably within the top three. Whatever generation that you want to cite here, hey, it's the anniversary of the 59 National Championship team, right? So here you have this new generation that this is their team. This is what they're going to relate to. Absolutely. That got me into Syracuse. It connects with all demographics, right, to your point. And, you know, my my sons are 16 and 14, and, you know, the past three years trying to get their buddies to go to a game, you know, sometimes it's kind of like pulling teeth. Now it's like, you know, the whole class is lined up, like when you invite me to a game. So it's, you know, it is just permeated the entire community. 
So you open the football season at Liberty. Let's circle back on that. I've had a few people ask me this, so I want to go right to the source on it. How did Liberty end up on the schedule? It's kind of a unique uh, situation to start a football. I think when they made the move up to uh, to uh, Division uh, Division One in um, in the FBS, uh, it was an opportunity for us to schedule two for one. Um, so we move relatively quickly to do that. Like anything else, I always talk to Coach Babers in terms of before we do anything non-conference. And you've seen other teams do it as well. So you've, there's a number of ACC schools that have done two-for-ones with them, some SEC schools, um, armies um, added them to their schedule. So, you know, we just we moved relatively quickly on it. Liberty, we've seen some other non-conference announcements recently, and you and I have certainly discussed football scheduling a lot. And I just wanted to kind of – Check in where we're at with that, what the philosophy is, the conversations you've had with Coach Babers and Herm Frazier who, and everybody that's involved in that. What, what's the approach in, in going forward here, knowing that football schedules are made, you know, in some cases, six, seven, eight years right. at a time? You know, again, I think we want the right mix, and we start with the conference and who we're playing in the conference um, on an annual basis in our division, and you start with Clemson, so enough said there. Um, who our crossover opponent is each year, um, and then you look to supplement that. And we want, you know, we want to play quality teams at the same time as, you know, we want to play a mix that is going, to, frankly, going to give our guys a chance if we play well to have some competitive success. But you kind of, you know, you look down the road. But in you know, twenty twenty two, you know, our non conference home we host Purdue and we host Notre Dame. So, you know, it's a good mix there. Yeah, yeah. and that's you know, that's pretty good. Recently, we talked about it when it happened. You'd signed Coach Babers to a contract extension. Mm-hmm. And look, people like me in the media, that those darn media guys, when coaches start getting fired in college football, Dino's name's going to come up. I mean, I think that's just inevitable at this point. So how confident are you that that contract extension and just everything that you've done to this point is going to make him not even think about those other jobs and, and stay committed to Syracuse University? You know, I think what, what I try to do, Brent, is, is work with him and work with others to make this job better every single day. So it's it's attractive so that way it attracts him to stay. You know, he can he can work with the staff, keep his staff intact, which we did this year. Every assistant returns, you know, support staff, et cetera, that type of thing. That continuity is really, really important. But if we work really hard and we in this job we make this, you know, a premier job and a and a desirable job. That's our best chance to keep them supplemented with when you have the support from the community and the fan base that we're having this year. That that resonates. That impacts not only with Coach, but with everyone who's connected with the program, including the team. What have those conversations been like, not only long-term, let, let's kind of shorten it a little bit with Coach Bayers, about sustaining the success, about keeping Syracuse football where it is. You've discussed the tools that he has at hand. It's always about recruiting and, and some of those main ingredients that are always in, in the success of a football program. But what has Coach Babers told you about what he needs and what he has to do to keep this going? You know, he's really he's really good in that regard because when he comes to me with something, it's always you know, it's always well thought out. Um, he's always, hey, here's the result. We do this. Here's why I think it'll help us. And, you know, he and I were on the same page. And to date, you know, things that he's brought to me or we've talked about together that we've implemented, again, I think in a 360-degree manner makes this program more desirable for those who are here now and I think does enhance our recruiting efforts. It's been said to change subjects, John, to the Dome that signs of progress, a true sign of progress, are cranes in the air. (laughs) 
you've got one of the biggest cranes in the United States sitting right outside the dome. So we're, we're moving and grooving on this thing now. So the crane's in place, but you've got a football season coming up first and a basketball season first while you kind of work around that, get everybody ready for the major renovations here. So let's start with some new things we can expect at the dome this season for fans. Well, I think, you know, number one, to see the construction actually underway, I think is great. It's been talked about for Lord knows how many years, right? Well before I got here three years ago, but now to see the activity is fantastic. I think, you know, number one is I've been asked, you know, all right, will, will all the gates be accessible for Clemson? The answer is yes. Um, and I give great credit to the Dome staff, to Pete Sal and his team, because, you know, they're magicians. They're they're struggling, you know, they're juggling rather, you know, a very complicated construction schedule and a full event schedule. Um, and, the, and they do it masterfully. But one of the things we've always uh, continued to focus on the fan experience and we do surveys um, with our fan base in the off season. And we also do kind of flash surveys after every game. And one of the things that we want to do this year is focus on uh, enhancing the success, uh, concessions. Um, so we've got some new items that we're going to introduce. Um, we've renovated some concession stands. I think it's four in the dome that are going to make it. I think it'll be easier for people to come up, place their order, get their order. Monitors, more monitors around those stands. Um, we're going to you know, kind of add a fresh grab-and-go type thing where you can you know, get fresh. You want something fresh and healthy, you can do it. Pay with your debit card or what have you. So some new food items as well. So we want to introduce more variety. We want to try to make it more user-friendly for our customer, and it's it's a point of emphasis for us. And, and you know, that's kind of only one. There's, there's a comprehensive package, which we'll announce uh, the week of the Clemson game. But our marketing group has spent a tremendous amount of time in the offseason, and you're never done in that space, right? Um, and I think we made progress last year with things that we implemented, and now it's how you refine those and build upon that and introduce new improvements. Your uh, broadcast background – and well, I don't know if you're, you're a fan of American Idol, but you're getting good at this teasing thing. You know, stay tuned. <laughs> more to come down the road. We do that in radio all the time. I appreciate that. But uh, more to come on that, a little bit of a tease, and you'll hear about more of these fan enhancements at the Dome uh, coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. The name of the facility has right. been in, in the news a, a lot lately. So tell me where you where you stand on that the carrier dome name is still on the building it's been out of the media guide it's been out of some other things out there where it normally has yep. been so so why the change i just think yeah you know, to me it's hey the name's on the building so it's you know it, it's the carrier dome in terms of you know the media guides and what have you it's just you know i think yeah i i've been coming to the dome forever and i've always called it the dome and that's no disrespect to whether it be carrier or anybody else so you know, it's 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 a change which you know has has obviously received some notoriety. But the carrier's name is on is on the building. It'll be on the basketball court with the decals. So, you know, we go with the renovations going on. Is it a natural time to look at everything, including the the naming rights? We we really haven't spent a lot of time on that at all, Brent. I mean, the focus is on the timeline. You know, the construction, getting things done in time for football twenty twenty. Um, that's what our focus on and doing it in a way this year, as I said, where, you know, it's minimal disruption to our fans on game day um, because it's it's such a complicated project when you're doing construction, but you're also hosting a full schedule of events. 
Another thing on that, John, uh, you mentioned that you call it the dome anyway. So do you consider that? Like if you ever get the opportunity to renegotiate, do a new deal, put naming rights in some way on the facility that sometimes those things are hard to stick because it has been the carrier dome forever. I said it on my show. I've said it here that I just call it the dome. I think most people just call it the dome. So yeah, hey, yeah, I'm going up to the dome for the game, right? right? You know, yeah. it could be a lacrosse game, women's basketball game, a hoop game, et cetera, that type of thing. You know, good, really good question. You know, I don't know because who knows where this will land? You know, and if it lands any place, and you know whether it's you know five years, ten years, or whenever. Uh, speaking of, of radio and broadcast, to go back to that, I heard your voice on uh, ESPN Radio a lot this summer for the ACC Network, <laughs> and here we are. It's launched. It's not on every cable system and every uh, place that you would like it to be and where John Swaffer would like it to be, but it's on a lot. And right. It's accessible to people in one way or the other. So let's just look at that right there. Now that it's here and it's accessible, how do you feel about how available it is to people right now? We're right on track of the projections that the conference and ESPN gave us. Um, we're in more homes at launch than the Big Ten Network was. We're in far more homes than the Pac-12 network is now. Um, so we think the launch was it was a successful launch. Conversations continue with whether it's Comcast, whether it be Cox, whether it's Dish Network, and hopefully in time, ESPN will be able to bring those distributors on board. Um, but I think, uh, I think it's been a good launch. We had our first event, Women's Soccer, on uh, Sunday. We beat Colgate 1-0. Um, it was really cool to watch that. Great turnout, great crowd. I was so happy for Coach Adams and her team. So from a branding and marketing perspective, I think this is going to be fantastic for all our sports and for the university as a whole as well. We're giving students the opportunity to get hands-on experience working on those live telecasts. So it's going to prepare them for you know, life after graduation from Syracuse. So yeah, I think in a lot of ways it's a success. But clearly the goal is is to have every distributor on board. We also have a number of digital or you know, streaming providers on board, so YouTube TV, PlayStation, et cetera, that type of thing. So that helps supplement that it's available nationally. And YouTube TV has really seen dramatic growth in, in their multi-channel streaming package. I'm one of them. Yeah, that's uh, that's a, something I subscribe yeah, people to said, and I yeah, enjoy. People said yeah, it's, just, it's so user-friendly. It's very user-friendly. It's great for sports fans. Yep. Not to do a commercial for them, but it actually it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great thing. And it's a, it, that's it. John, think of your days at ESPN and when you had to get ESPN cleared for in those negotiations. Sure. Now, think how many branches have grown off that tree. Just right. everything you listed off there, and we probably left off four or five, and you've got to get in front of eyeballs in so many different ways. So given your expertise and your experience at ESPN, how much have you been involved in assisting Commissioner Swafford and, and the ACC and in, in launching this network? Yeah, I made, I made myself available, you know, on, a, on an as-need basis uh, with the commissioner, with um, Dean Jordan from the Wasserman Group, who's the media consultant, and I've known Dean for longer than we both want to admit. Um, so in you know, if I can provide help or counsel to my fellow ADs as well, um, and if I can help with ESPN. So, you know, it's been on an as-need basis. Uniforms were a big deal as well <laughs> over the summer. That was a lot of fun, and to see that, and I think the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive from the fan base, different styles. I think it's a real, you know, I'm not a fashion critic, but uh, it's a real mix of, of old and new. I think it's the perfect blend of old and new. 
satisfying all those generations that we right. talked about earlier in the conversation. So where are we in terms of fans getting a hold of those uniforms? I know that's a back and forth with right. Nike, but can you update us on when fans can, can get those uniforms and, and how they can get yep, those Yep, the, the navy blue jerseys, they're available now. Um, so they're they're available in the bookstore, and, and they will be available at retail, and we can get you that specific date. There was, there was a production issue with the orange and the white in terms of what was delivered. They got the font wrong on the numbers, mm. and... And this happens, right? So this is not unique to Syracuse. It happens in the industry. So we went back and we said, this is unacceptable. You know, I'm not going to put anything that's not authentic on the market for our fans. Um, we will have the orange and the white for sale. Uh, probably they should be in, I would say, sometime in October. Not ideal, but again, we want to make sure what we put on the market is truly authentic. We're uh, beginning the conversation about fall sports, and there's a couple other I want to get to here shortly, but let me skip ahead to basketball because it was what an opportunity for the team, for everybody, for even fans to go to Italy, an opportunity for a very young Jim Beheim coach right. team to get together and play, not only in Italy, but the two weeks of practice that led up to that. Exactly. It just seemed like, by all accounts, that trip was a big success. It was it was great, and um, I was able to get over for the uh, for the last two legs in Florence and Rome. Um, absolutely fantastic experience. You know, my family was able to go for the entire trip. Um, they had a great experience as well. But I think I was really proud of the team. The team they were really engaged, and we did the tours and the sites, et cetera, that type of thing. The the, the, the guys they they were into it, and I was really impressed and and proud of how they uh, how they conducted themselves. I think it's great bonding experience for them. To your point, very young team to get four games under their belt playing with one another, uh, to play against competition, um, to supplement the two weeks of practice they had here. I think it'll you know it'll have measurable impact. I think on the performance of this year's team, and I think it was. If every, every metric it was a, a success. You brought up the word proud, John, and I think that's a word that many people listening to this, everybody really, can apply to Tiana Mangakaihia, how she has handled her cancer diagnosis. And there's a decision you've got to make there. I mean, when you're a public figure, in a sense, and you're out there, you, could, you everybody would certainly understand if she just wanted to be out of the spotlight and deal with this and get better. But she's chosen to go out there and say, no, I'm dealing with this. Here's how I'm dealing with it. She's trying to be an example for maybe others who go through this because, you know, cancer, it doesn't discriminate. Age, sex, whatever the case may be, it can afflict everybody. And I think early on in her process here in getting treatment, she's recognized that and knows that not only can she be an inspiration to others, but I think the the community, and you can put that under a lot of different umbrellas on, on social media, people that see her, in the community on campus are encouraging her as well oh she's she's courageous um in her battle she's inspirational um and how she handles it um and how she's dealt with it and yeah i just have so much respect for her and admiration for you know someone you know a young person of that age to you know be diagnosed and to deal with it the way that she has um Again, I just I use the two words. She, she's inspirational and courageous, and we're supporting her as we should in every way possibly that we can. And um, she's had family members come over on a fairly regular basis, so she's got great family support, great support from the team, from the women's basketball staff, 
Um, the athletic we're here to support her in however in however uh, and in many ways as we possibly can. John, I uh, see as the season begins here, the cross country team's ranked, field hockey team is yep. ranked. You mentioned the women's soccer team getting that opportunity, one of the first broadcasts on the ACC network. So let's go across some of the other fall sports and, and what you're looking at here as it all gets underway. Yeah, you know, again, I was really happy for Coach Adams because the soccer, women's soccer, it's a rebuild. And, and I told her that when she interviewed. And I said, we're going to give you the time and we're going to give you the resources to, to rebuild this. And the ACC is the best conference in the country for both women's and men's soccer. Um, but she's, she's really changed the culture. You can see that of the team and the program. And, and the team is bought in. And I just that's kind of the first thing, establish that culture. You know, men's soccer, um, again, I think incredibly competitive conference. But Coach McIntyre, his, he and his staff do a fantastic job. So I think we'll, I think we'll compete, compete successfully there across country. We're one of the perennial powers. It's great to see both teams ranked, uh, women's and men's. Uh, volleyball, we're coming off our first NCA tournament bid ever. We lost a lot, but there's a lot of talent that um, that comes back, and Coach Yellen has recruited well. Um, you know, so I'm I'm optimistic about the fall, and you know, field hockey being ranked, and again, ACC is the best field hockey uh, conference in the country. So we're going to compete against the best. We're fine doing that. I think you know, if you're a premier athlete, you want to compete against the best. And uh, we had a good year last year. 14 of our sports competed in NCAA or equivalent postseason play. And, um, you know, we hope to, to not only match but improve upon that. Here we go again. Another exactly. season underway. Can't thank you enough for your time, as always. I know we'll be uh, chatting as, as we go through the seasons here. But thank you for joining us today on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Thanks, Brian. I look forward to it. Thanks for listening to Episode 51 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. If you missed Episode 50, my Syracuse football season preview with Nate Mink and Stephen Bailey from Syracuse.com, that's available on iTunes, Spotify, and on Syracuse.com. Coming up next time, former Syracuse wide receiver, Super Bowl champion, and one of the best dual-sport athletes in Syracuse University history, Padre Ismail, joins us on Episode 52 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. But thanks for listening to episode 51. My name is Brent Dax. We'll talk to you next time.